to the bat to the bat to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. No one can save the day like Batman. Robin will make you sway like Good morning, afternoon, and evening. This is the I Want More Comics Podcast. I'm hosting here with Sean, this is Zach, and Keith, and my name's Richie, so let's get started. Zach, why don't you open us up with the news? Alright, so for this past week, some uh, some big stuff has been going on. Um, the, uh, the first thing, uh, again, that we're going to talk about is our Rebirth event that we're going to be doing. Just a quick reminder on that. That's going to be uh, next Tuesday. It's going to be it's, sweet. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be doing... Uh, 11, we're going to open up at 11 p.m., uh, go until 12.30 a.m. Uh, you can buy your DC books, your Marvel books. Uh, we're going to be having cookies and punch, and we're going to be having uh, music playing, and this is going to be a fun time. We're also going to be podcasting that night, uh, talking to you, the fans, about the uh, event, and also an exclusive just right now for this podcast. You can find out early if you're listening nice. right now. We are going to be doing a sale that night. It's going to be 25% off all DC back issues and trades. Um, it, it is going to exclude the new stuff, um, you know, of course. Right. But uh, anything older that you'd like to pick up, if there's a trade you've had your eye on, uh, it will be on sale. Um, only DC stuff, but, uh, you know, we're giving some love to DC that night. So DC Comics singles old and any trades? Yep. Uh, that's that's awesome. 25% off. 25 for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a hold slot or not. If you're showing up to get Rebirth, you can get some uh, awesome old DC stuff as well. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, another thing that just happened just yesterday was Valiant had their second summit, which they announced the new books that are going to be coming out from them this year. They're going to be doing a Faith Ongoing, a book called Generation Zero, a book called Britannia, Bloodshot USA with Jeff Lemire, still on that run, Harbinger Renegades, Savage and Divinity Three Stalinverse. Uh, those are all going to be hitting each. They're going to be doing a new one each month between July and December. Uh, DC also had a new logo that they announced uh, just the other day, right. uh, trying to go back to a retro feel. And then also uh, in sadder news, um, Darwin Cook passed away uh, on Saturday, May fourteenth, at the age of fifty-three. Uh, we're going to be talking about him and our uh, spinning the racks right. about you know what his work and and the things that we've loved that he's done. But uh, that is the news. Yeah. Nice. So, what do you guys think about the new DC logo? Now that we've all seen it, and you can go online and check it out if you haven't seen it yourself. We're seeing a lot of backlash online where people are very hypercritical about it. Um, <clears throat> I think that at at first blush. It's got a little bit of that retro type feel back towards yeah. the old DC uh, bullet. Uh, personal opinion, I think that if we're talking about it going back towards the DC bullet and it doesn't have the bullet, it's a little bit of a miss in that direction. Right. Uh, I don't think that it's going to have much impact on the story. So <laughs> that's that's a big area that uh, I just kind of like whatever to in the whole thing and all this. I don't hate it. I don't. We are kind of talking about the jacket over the book or the material itself. Yeah. So I, 
I looked at it with Zach today, and we. I think it represents back in the 70s. They had a real simplistic title, and it gets the point across. I wasn't... I'm not one of the people that focus so much on the aesthetics of the logo yeah. as much as the logo of what it represents, and I think that it's all there in its simplicity, so... Yeah, I didn't mind it. I mean, uh, I mean, I like the the bullet. That's going to be my favorite. Right. But I like it better than the old logo, and it, like you said, it it does remind you of the older DC logos from the '60s and '70s mm-hmm. before they did the bullet. So, yeah, I'm like you said, it doesn't affect anything in the comics. Right. I care about good DC comics instead of you know just the logo. But right. but you know, it's it's fine. Well, if you're having a rebirth, you're gonna change your clothes. You're gonna have a rebirth. That's so exactly. that's it's fair, and it's better than the peel back. Yeah, I don't like peel back at all. So I agree, and I even forgot about the peel back after so long looking at it. I didn't realize that aesthetically, I didn't like it until we start talking about the logo, and then it kind of gives me opinion about it. So yeah, it's easy to to talk about and have opinion about it because we're bringing it up right now. But three months from now, we're not even gonna remember that there was a. A changeover right. in logo. We can always think back about the other ones, but it just—it's—it's it's such a minor little marketing piece mm-hmm. um, that just—you know—we're—we're—we're we're, we're way more interested in content. I agree. Um, outside of that, I was going to talk a little bit about rebirth. We—we we pretty much gave all of what we like or are going to like last podcast, and we are excited for next week's podcast. But I do want to. Uh, emphasize the fact that we are doing live reactions so i want you guys to show up and be ready to talk to us about what you think uh the rebirth means to you and what what keeps you as a dc fan in general i'd love to hear that from the many customers and guests here at i want more comics yeah what books you're interested in what uh, creative teams you're looking forward to um it can even be why why you love dc and your backstory with them you know why it can be anything, you know. It's 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 going to be a uh, a celebration of DC Comics and their history, uh, okay. forward and backwards. Potpourri, yeah. exactly. Um, I mean, outside of that, is if there's anything you guys want to add. If not, I think we're going to move right into our picks for the week. Sweet, yeah, yeah. nothing. All right, excellent. So I'm going to start with you, Zach. Uh, go ahead and throw out your book and give us a little information on your pick for last week. So I picked Satellite Falling Number One. Uh, from IDW. The writer was Steve Horton and the artist is Stephen Thompson. Uh, it's a brand new book that just came out and it looked cool because it looked science fiction uh, and it also looked kind of crime noir which are two things that I absolutely love. Right. So I picked it up, I read it, and I did really really enjoy it. It was exactly what it looked like. It's about a woman on a satellite in space. Uh, she is a bounty hunter who works with the police to find criminals and she gets entangled into the seedy underbelly humans do not like to mess with uh, aliens so she is she is a uh, she is only one of a few humans on the on the station so she has to use a hologram to blend in which I think was pretty cool it was it's gonna be that that classic crime noir feel she lost the person she loves and she doesn't have anything to live for this is all page one so it's not a there's not a spoiler right um and but it also had that fun babylon 5 science fiction feel where there's tons of aliens doing weird things 
things that you've never seen or talking in weird languages, and, and I just really enjoy that stuff. So when you say noir, are you talking like mystery then? There's yeah, like... it's mystery, but it also has that downtrodden hero who life has continually beat them down so that okay. they're just doing the job because it's what they know to do, not because they care about it. Okay. Uh, that's kind of the that's kind of the character that she is, and it's a female instead of a man to change that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, it's futuristic, so it's not going to have the trench coat and the smoking and things like that. But the it, whole, like your detective. yeah, you're but it knees, is knees polka dot kind of yeah, thing. but it is going to still have. But she still is that kind of character. How much of a Blade Runner feel do you get? Uh, there's definitely this? yeah, there's definitely Blade Runner. It's too crowded. It's uh, yeah, I was gonna say my, my, I was gonna say that Babylon Five, Blade Runner, and Fifth Element are gonna be the three things I I would definitely feel. It has the brightness and some of the over the top wackiness of the Fifth Element. It's gonna have some of the cramped, uh, you know, noir sensibilities of Blade Runner, and then Babylon Five. It it has that. The thing that made Babylon Five cool was the aliens and the different philosophies and the things that humans care about and the way that we think about life and the world is not the way that aliens are going to think about it, which they do a little bit of that in there, too. So, yeah, I mean, I would highly recommend the book for anybody who likes science fiction, who wants to get that sort of crime noir feel. Uh, If you like Star Trek, Mm -hmm. things like that, you're going to enjoy this book. So, I would would highly recommend it. I, I enjoyed it. I looking at the cover. I was gonna say that uh, when you said Fifth Element, I was agreeing with you because uh, it has a very pastel look to it. It's not dark as much as it's kind of got highlights of pink and purple in the background. And uh, I've but noticed does, that. Does it have a big bada boom? I, I don't know. <laughs> is it multi-pass. a big bada boom? Multi-pass. Multi-pass. <laughs> uh, there actually is some explosions. There's some explosions. There's some action. That's all that matters. Uh, it is. That's it, all that matters. Uh, there, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is definitely a book for adults. There's other things that go on in there that are not for kids, mm-hmm. uh, so be warned on that. But if you like that sort of science fiction crime drama, I think you will like this book. Well, it's a creator-owned, and you've got it, its own universe. It doesn't have to interact with anything else. It stands alone. It has that those good elements there, so you don't have to be drug deeply into something you can just get everything that's uh, how it starts off on the number one yep and it's a mini series so there's not a huge commitment uh, I believe it's going to be six issues and so you can get a really cool science fiction story but you don't have to worry about it or put too much money out so I'd, I'd recommend it a lot of the IDWs like this can kind of fly under the radar and you have to get your attention brought to them instead of the you know, getting everybody else slamming them in your face. It doesn't naturally get you over there. You kind of have to get handheld into trying it for the first time to kind of get there. So it's something that, uh, while the fan base may not be as, as deep as, like, something large and commercial and all this, this, this has the potential to be a really strong uh, level story. Excellent. Um, well, that takes us to the second pick, which is kind of fun because uh, Sean and I, Pick the same comic book. Yeah, we were holding hands while we picked. We it. did, yes, as we do, spooning at night, <laughs> looking into each other's eyes. Um, we spoon wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I'm big spoon for those who are wondering. That's uh, fine, whatever. <laughs> so, we picked uh, Star Wars Darth Vader. Um, it's which d- I heard that this is ending at 25. Which, yes. Yeah, I heard uh, the same thing. Kind of upset about that. I, I, I am not <laughs> upset about it for the reason why it was. Because it it's out good the end. entire time? No, because 
Kieran Gillen in a interview turned around and says we're ending it because we're at the end of the story. Okay, it's not being forced to be dragged out and gone deeper just because. Yeah, I yeah, just heard about this. Like, I haven't heard any interviews or yeah. wire. Yeah, no, 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 that and was it was a big shock because it's it's really close to being Marvel's number two book there. Yeah, and you know you'd think you wouldn't try to cancel something as big as this. Um, high speculation that it's going to lead into additional books. High speculation that we're going to see some additional characters kind of come forward in the universe, and it looks like that they really kind of want to have a tight lock on how many uh, Star Wars stories are going on at a time. I think they're trying not to oversaturate necessarily. Well, uh, well, yeah. But at the same time, they still want to have a good foothold in. Well, and also, but th- this book specifically takes place in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Right. So they can't. Can't go on for years. You can't right. go on for no, years. I get, I get it. I, I, I. This was bet. done so well, that, yeah. and I really, sure, sure. out of all the Star Wars books, but I this bet is by you, far my favorite. Yeah. So, but I bet you that in the future, some other writer, it'll whether it be Gillen or somebody else, will come along and have. And when the people at Lucasfilm say we want to talk about between Empire Strikes Back and Jedi, or at, you know, or whatever, whatever time frame they want to do there'll be a new book for it. There's a tight level of control being applied here to make sure that the stories fit, that the universe doesn't fracture, Mm -hmm. that it's very, very specific. You don't get close to that. Uh, There's nothing wrong with the Star Wars extended universe that went on before. That was... It was where we were all starving for Star Wars content. We all, all the fans of us, that wanted to see more and more come on. Um, we had that, but now we're we're kind of locked into a long term plan for the property. And mm-hmm. since I I enjoy the fact that they're going to really make the comics uh, a huge cohesive part of this, and that they, you know, this is supposed to be there. Um, it's funny when we talk about like the they didn't come back and do the comic uh, uh, adaptation right after it wasn't <laughs> launching at the same time because they wouldn't trust anybody with the story to get it done. Right. Um, that's, you know, in our minds it's, that's not the that's not the way it goes. It's not the way you see it. You know, you always see that type of stuff there. But they're they're building this universe in a very specific and calculated way. We know Disney's got plans uh, above and beyond and if you're going to spend $4 billion on something you're going to have a lot of control. <laughs> into, you know, right. So, like you're saying, I don't want to see my friend go away because this is this book's been great. But uh, I can completely accept the idea that we've told our tale yeah. and we're going to move on. If, well, if that's the reason why the book's canceling, totally fine. One hundred percent. That's yeah, that's, that's everything that's being said and Still nothing else. Make it hurt less. But I really no. want the two droids to show up somewhere else because yeah. they are by far sure they some will. of my favorite characters Agreed. in all of the entire Star Star Wars universe. And I was I was going to start this out with. Uh, I don't know if it is the... Because I, I understood... When when I heard that it was going to cancel, I realized, like, well, maybe it's because of its placement of the story. And I thought to myself, is it the placement of the story that's carrying the weight behind this book? And it's not. The The weight behind this book is the the brilliance in writing and storytelling with uh, the artist here is, uh, is it feels like Darth Vader. In every situation... Well, yeah, you're going to see Vader be... Bad, badass Vader. Right, and in every situation that I've read from number one to this point, um, I've only seen Darth Vader. I haven't like had to go, uh, is that something he'd do? Or, uh, I don't know about that. It has always been a perfect example of what I thought in my heart that Darth Vader himself would perform or how he would react. It adds a lot of lot to the mythos of his, his initial recognition of how strong or powerful he truly is 
and I think he grows as a character within the series, and that's why I picked it this week. It's just well, and I love watching the fact that he's doing things around the Emperor, mm-hmm. really without the Emperor's knowledge. Yeah. True. Well, if you if you look at that with what you've got in the movies, you chronologically not right. not the not the order that they came out, but chronologically in our in our Star Wars universe, you go from a Anakin who is I don't know sold a bill of goods to to get on the side of the Emperor. Pretty you know, much. like it's kind of you feel you still feel like there's a point where he's a little bit tricked there, but you you kind of have to understand that you know for him to do the things that he did, he had to. He still had to be acting as himself, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sign off and say you know he's without fault for all the things he did uh, in the movies and in you know Revenge right. of the Sith and things like that. To then when you get to a New Hope um, through Jedi, you've got this guy who you know right when he's introduced, you know he's the ultimate badass right oh, yeah. there. The Emperor is said but never he's, seen yeah, until he's, the guy, he's not yeah the Emperor's not seen until Return. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, so you 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 get this. Well, and actually, no, you did see him little he snippets of him, like pictures on a screen, and stuff you know like he's that, there. So. And the idea that there's somebody bigger and badder than the the ultimate bad guy there, like that's that's pretty big. Mm-hmm. So, wasn't well, um, it the Sith code that uh, the apprentice always overcomes the master eventually? Isn't that what it's supposed to be all the way Avenged, back from yeah, like, yeah, to the old Republic mm-hmm. days and all that kind of? Yeah, you know, there's always two. You know, yeah, there's always the, two, and and you're always the the stronger of the two is always threatened by the younger one right. because eventually he will be overcome. Well, and what you get really good inside this book is to see now a struggle about where Vader fits, where he's not completely just a puppy dog to the Emperor. Like he has his own things going on. He has his own world inside this. Um, and you also see that the Emperor is not uh, recognizes he doesn't have complete and utter control over Vader, uh-huh. and has backup plans, oh, yeah. and has other that's, things. That's why he elements. has all these other competition right. pieces show up, I guess, for lack of a better term. <laughs> well, this is a lot of flavor to it, yeah. to the soup that 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 is Vader. You know, oh, yeah. this is a lot of stuff that we don't get in other types of stories, and this is this is the type of thing that I. I enjoy, and I now expect in these fill-in stories, I need more than just how did we travel from planet A to planet B. I want depth, mm-hmm. and this this delivered really well. Well, this, this particular issue, and especially because yes. it's got three separate parts, and there are three very deep parts of the story going on in this book, mm-hmm. and and it all kind of comes to head, and it's a new it's a new start of a new arc. And I'm assuming it's the arc that's going to finish this off. Oh yeah, because well, the transition—it was a, definitely a transition from these other ends we're going All on. These, we're yeah. going to tie these up in a really mm-hmm. cool way, and then we're going to start this right. this way. And yeah, and I think that it's essentially the Emperor recognizing his apprentice being as powerful as he thinks he is, and also Darth Vader kind of recognizing that he he can be more than what he is at the moment. And I think, and that's like Keith was saying, that it adds more to the flavor. And I, I, I think the character development of Darth Vader in this hints. So in the movie, you get real broad strokes of he's kind of scared of the Emperor. He kind of wants to take over. But in this comic book, what I get is he's kind of terrified of the Emperor, but also knows that he could be better. And so he's, he's very calculated and very... Oh, he has he, to be. He's taking massive risk, he but he's also... He absolutely has to be calculated <laughs> yeah, or he will be taken down. damn sure <laughs> that the Emperor doesn't know what's going on behind his back. Oh, because yeah. if that hits the fan, he's done. So, so you, you get that mixed in there with like tying up the loose ends of the, of the previous arcs. Mm-hmm. Plus you get 
the two droids, which for the life of me, I can't remember the names of right now. Zach? It's uh, Triple Zero and... Oh. Is it it's like yeah. BT or something B- like that? It's like B- BT. But yeah, those droids, they are so they're so awesome. The the three PO droid is it's just the exact yeah, love opposite of your R two D two and C three PO. They provide they're the same comic horrible. relief, but it's horrible in a droids. terrible way, and it's fantastic. And if anybody if anybody played Knights of the Old Republic the first game, and mm-hmm. you got to play with HK forty seven, this mm-hmm. totally reminds me of that That's droid. Exactly, yeah. Because he was running around calling people meat bags and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. and these droids are, but they're, they're these droids are a lot more hardcore, obviously, because they're they've pretty much been licensed to get the job done, and they will get the job done. Yeah. And you definitely see that in this book, <laughs> in this particular issue, especially. Well, and you get you get the fill in, you get the you get the growth here. So you get Vader, who gets taken in as as an apprentice, and this is where he gets the first hints of of Luke. And why are you? It feels after reading something like this, it feels like a much more natural progression for him to say, "Join me, we'll strike down the Emperor, and and rule the galaxy together," like he does in Jedi. Whereas the first time I'm watching a Jedi, I don't think I'm really feeling it the same way. There, I'm not. I'm not sure I'm trusting Vader about his what he says there. I'm not. I'm not trusting it. But like you said, bringing up the Sith code and bringing up how that evolves and grows into it it feels way more flushed out and it seems way more where vader has a problem with the emperor mm-hmm. there is friction between the two there are yeah, these sub cell elements and it makes he did get rid way of more bear, sense so he'd have to be pretty upset about yeah. that yeah. there was that panda bear <laughs> but the the, yeah. the creative team on this um has really delivered uh kieran gillen has been on my radar uh, from uh, a shorter run on Uncanny X-Men, from taking over on um, Thor. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he does the writing ridiculously well. Uh, and LaRocca is somebody who uh, I was really into his art um, with uh, Extreme X-Men. Right. That was the big run there that I was really I into. Did, it. I and liked then, his art. I, that, see, I the story on Extreme X-Men, we were talking about it before, and you liked it a lot. I think you liked it a lot more than me. But I, I stuck with it because I like the art, because I like his art. Well, and there's, and, but this is also in addition to great art. This is a way different feel, and I think it's perfect for the type of book. With uh, he was using uh, liquid as the colorist mm-hmm. back on extreme, very poppy, bright, mm-hmm. flashy. Like that wouldn't work, you know. Oh, no. For Vader. It has to be much more subdued in here. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is his best work. I, I've always thought Laroca was uh, fine. I enjoyed his stuff. In the Marvel Universe, but as I saw him on Darth Vader, I think that he is the D- Darth Vader artist. Well, the the Max Brooks cover, or not oh, well, the, Mark that, Brooks, sorry. Yeah, Mark Brooks cover. Uh, there's been some great covers yeah, to this, this run this, as well. This cover yeah. is so good. <laughs> yep. Vader and Fantastic. the Emperor and the Guard. This is just so There's awesome. just nothing on this book to knock. No, nope. there really isn't. It tied in I, with the, the Vader Down crossover. I'm it not tied usually in a well. person who feeds into... You know, this is true. Yes, the Marvel bandwagon, yeah. but this the, this book they did absolutely no wrong to me. So it's enjoyable all the way excellent. all the way through. It'll be missed, absolutely. But, but it 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 was one that everybody should have. I'll be a sad panda bear. And it honestly, once it <laughs> will, does you, will you sit there and go no? no, I'll, do no I'll, I'll go. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you like sand? <laughs> it's coarse. It gets everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. The rails are off. Yeah, so, so those are the picks. If you haven't picked up Darth Vader, 
now is a great time to pick up the end of games if you want. I believe that it will be ending, and I know that this is easily a trade that will be oh yeah, oh just yeah, shucked at. This everyone. is one I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna look for the big. Omnibus level, yeah. yeah. Collection, or yeah. I'll buy it as a big. Yeah, they cover. they they just solicited in <clears> the <throat> new previews the Canaan Omnibus, which is the entire twelve issues of that run. Mm. So I'm sure they're going to be doing omnibuses of all these other ones as yeah. well. And it's it's a great series. You don't have to read all of the Star Wars to nope. read the story, and it and it definitely. The only time it kind of dances around is when they're doing the Vader down, down story. Yeah. yeah. But that is all worth reading as well. Absolutely. That was excellent. Yeah, if you're picking this up now, you can pick up the trades, you can pick up the Vader down trade, you can be right on, on schedule with all of it, and, yep. but it's it's worth it. Agreed. All right, so from there, I believe we need to start spinning the racks. Spinning the racks. Yes. Spinning the racks! da <laughs> Spinning the racks. So, uh, I guess we're going to be talking about the sad news that Darwin Cook passed away this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about... He's way too young. Way too young. Yeah, 53 years old. Very unexpected, too, because they had just gotten out there where... Yep, Friday. Two days before they given a little before, bit of information. Day before. It was yeah. the day before, yeah, Friday. It was that quick. He had, they said, yeah, he's got aggressive cancer, and then he was just dead. Yeah, Saturday. Yeah, Friday. So, uh, cool. Friday during the day, it said he had aggressive cancer. Uh, Saturday morning when I woke up at 6 a.m., there was already an announcement. So mm-hmm. it, uh, it it happened pretty quick. I, so, hoped, I hoped at the beginning there that the announcements were wrong because uh, it was agree. so quick. Yeah. Well, and like that's, I was hoping yes. that people were jumping the gun, they got bad information. Yeah, and there well, were I people. Mean, it's, it, well, it's kind of like I heard Bernie Wrightson was sick a while back and made me very sad. And I, do, I was like, okay, well, you know, he's older. He's right. Hopefully he gets better, but you never know. And then I heard this, and I kind of had the same thought. And I didn't even have a day to process it, and he was gone. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was um, that quick. For for you that do not know who he is, or you pro- you've probably seen his work, but you maybe didn't catch who was doing it. The some of the things that he's been most famous for is the redesign of Catwoman with Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. The most famous thing that he is. Famous- that was actually the first Catwoman book I picked up and read. Mm-hmm. I need to read it. I honestly, that's one of the things I've not read. Because of the art, I love that throwback to the '50s art style, mm-hmm. yeah. um, almost pop art type style. And then yeah. you tie that in with Brubaker, and it's just it was an excellent. Read. I've heard great things about it. I need to read it. Well, and the redesign is something that still is stuck with yeah, today. It, she's still using I similar mean, costume to that. Yeah, they haven't the goggles thing didn't that wasn't a thing until nope. Darwin Cook made that. And now it's almost synonymous with Catwoman is yep. her wearing goggles. Absolutely. The most famous thing, probably for most people, is going to be DC: The New Frontier. Yeah, it, they made an animated movie based on the run of comics, and he was the one who wrote and drew that. The reimagining of the Justice League meeting. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and and it has, and he always had that '50s '60s feel to his classic kind of art, kind of a mixture it's, of well, he's got Bruce atom- Tim. It's it's the Atomic Age type. Yeah, art. it's yes. very much that. Yet, yet it, it like reading the book, watching the thing, it's. It's a little. It's not what I expected, you know, with with the story level on it and all this. It was way more serious than I was expecting. Oh, yeah. I was expecting, yeah. you know, you walk into that that feel of that fifties, right? And you think mm-hmm. that, oh, everything's bubbly and happy. There's nothing wrong in the world, <laughs> you know. Like there's just no no problems, and yet it's a little harder edge than that. I mean, it's not dark, 
really it's not all the way to dark but it's it's just stronger more adult right. yeah oh yeah well and that's the series that made me actually really appreciate uh, martian manhunter honestly yeah. that was that that's series. a great martian manhunter story yeah so well and, and they did the classic hal jordan which was great the oh, fly boy classic hal jordan mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah which which was fantastic so i mean if if, if you're listening to this and say i want to pick up or see what this Darwin Cook is about, that's probably the first thing you should read. Well, that, that particular book actually yeah, will that. be re- it's re- being reformatted yeah, as one right. volume. It actually comes out later. And it comes out in about a month or so. Well, like it's that. both. I, I would recommend so. both. I would recommend reading it, and I would wa- recommend watching yes. the, the yes. video on it. Yeah. The video yeah, because brought they, the heavy hitters. Oh, I mean, like, so good. It, yeah. was, it was people you know of as the, the voice talent and all this. Um... I remember it made me laugh that the Martian Manhunter is, is Keith David, you know, like a <laughs> character that you know from like They Live and all this. And you've got Kyle McLaughlin in there. Mm-hmm. You've got Neil Patrick Harris. You've got Lucy Lawless. It's you know, it's Mark got Shields, Kara Sedgwick. I mean, it's it's the cast is it's ridiculous, amazingly good, and the story is done in the you know DC's animated has has killed it for a long time. Um, this one's done really, really well. This was also the launch of that whole thing where they were going to take uh, important arcs of a comic book story and create an animated series. Uh, the Frontier was the one of the first to do so. It has, to me, it it has one of the best lines with Batman talking to Martian Manhunter. He's like, you know, for the other alien, I need a million dollar rock. For you, I need a match. <laughs> you know, like, that's brilliant writing. And I was going to add to that 50s feel where it felt dark. If you look at it, really, uh, he has the 50s imagery, but the 30s storytelling. And the 30s storytelling was yeah. dark. Batman used guns. Oh, yeah. There was there was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of deepness to the stories. Not so much like savagery, but darkness, like ominous terror. Versus that noir feel, yeah, that, exactly. That the 30s, well, 40s storytelling, had. it got to a 60s Cold War feel to it, also. Very true, really yeah. well done. Like the the scared of the the bigger threat kind of idea, yeah. And the the entire story, top to bottom, just just does that really well, yeah. Well, and, and also, one of the things I loved in that, which you don't ever really see, but Darwin Cook brought it in that story, they do it in the movie and in the comic that Wonder Woman is supposed to be bigger than everybody else. She is an Amazon. And she's officially supposed to be bigger than Superman. Right. They never do that in the comics. Not usually. But he was the one who did that. So in that storyline, it's not a spoiler, but when they meet up, he's looking up at her. Right. And she's looking down at him. Which I which I loved a different take on that. Uh, Darwin Cook also does the commentary for the DVD Blu-ray, so you can listen to him talk about his creation there. You know, that's one of the only the that's actually the only uh, comic book movie I think of the animated that I bought and actually it, own. It's a good one. It's Absolutely. solid. I, there's no argument to being the only one you have. Like comparatively, it's just it's perfect, at least as representation of what the content was. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the the other thing though on that, and I read this was that. It's all chronologically correct. So as the heroes are introduced, they're actually at the same exact time introduced by month and day of their actual release in their comic books. Nerd. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that, no, but yeah, that's Darwin yeah. Cook. That's how that's, nerdy That's an he attention was. to detail. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's, that's insane. Like, no, that's actually that's just well thought out. That's, yeah. that's, well, that's really good planning. Yeah, it's, 
And and, and you always got that whenever he wrote. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, every time. Uh, so the, some of the other things he did also, he did a run on the Spirit uh, for a couple Which years is there. One of my favorite superheroes. Yeah, he wrote and drew it, and he's perfect for that book. Mm-hmm. The last couple years, he's been doing Richard Stark's Parker graphic novel adaptations of the crime novels. Mm-hmm. He did The Hunter, The Man with the Getaway Face, The Outfit, The Score, and Slayground. Mm-hmm. All they're just direct adaptations of the crime novels. And if you've seen, uh, what's the Lee Marvin movie? Uh, is it? It's a uh, Point uh, Point Blank. The, that character that Lee Marvin played is going to be the character that he's pulling from. From the uh, that's they kind of pulled that. Haven't they redone that character a lot? They have done they it have a lot. Like he's lot. he's all over. Is it? Yes. The payback. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's going mean, to be. It's, it's going to be that same kind of flavor. Uh, but these are from the novels. They're not from a movie or anything. They're just from the novels. The most recent thing that he wrote and drew was going to be. I mean, he does covers and things like that, I but love it's going to be series. By the way, too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's yeah. going to be. Uh, we just kind of jumped over that a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. No, but we can go back to it. But uh, before Watchmen, just, Minutemen, he did all six issues, wrote and drew that, which was a couple years ago. Right now, he's currently. Well, he was doing the omnibus editions of all the DC books. So the Silver Age Batman, the Golden Age Superman, Silver Age Supergirl, Teen Titans, all those. If you've seen those at the comic shop, he was the one doing the covers. They did a whole month of Darwin Cook covers a couple months ago. How many months ago? Uh, it was in the last year. Five, Within the last year. He, it was a little while ago. Yeah, he was... Actually, you relevant. know what? I think it was like around the issues like 37. Yeah, okay. Somewhere in that, that area. Seems so to make sense, yeah. It's about yeah. 18 months ago. Yeah, so he did... All, he For one month, they did all his covers. Uh, he also was the one who animated the Batman Beyond beginning from the TV show in the late... 90s, so if you were a fan of that, that opening was him. He worked on the Men in Black TV show. He worked on Batman Beyond as a consultant. Uh, you can see some of his art in the opening. He didn't really do a lot of the art in the show, but he was a consultant for the show. I mean, his his list of credits is a mile long. He's done... He's, he's written a lot, not just drawing. He's done cover art. He's done backup stories. He's done pretty much everything that you can do in comics. He 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 was a legend in the comic book world. So, yeah. He, it, he also did the uh, that Batman Beyond little uh, short oh, for Batman's 75th anniversary where he actually goes up against old Batman and like all yes. the other iterations of Batman. Mm-hmm. It's only like 30 seconds, but it was awesome. And uh, I've seen that. I'll show it to you. It's good stuff. And I don't know if anybody else here has, but I know Keith and I have met him. We saw him. We yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. We were at San Diego. I want to say it was 2012. I think it was two, yeah. I think so. I yeah. think 2012 was right. Yeah, you got, it was 2012 because we went in 2010 and we skipped a year. Okay, because so I remember it was, it was the launch of the, the new 52. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a it was a year into the new fifty two like like about nine months into the new fifty two yes because they were handing back out first printings and number ones and everything yeah that's was right that's right mind. yeah if we ever I we I could tell a story about Jeff Johns and Jim Lee which was pretty awesome <laughs> yeah but um, they had at different points in time they were they set up inside the DC booth a uh, screen and a what is it like a light box or whatever it was where they yeah. could, the the artists oh. would do little quick sessions. 
and they go up there, and there was different different people scheduled throughout the weekend. They also use that stage and platform to like showcase off um, yeah, injustice. Yeah. Was it? Which was, yeah, no, yeah, it was injustice. It was injustice. Yeah, they were showing that off. Well, Zach seemed to love to spend every minute he could in the DC booth, and it was yeah, just I'm, it was I mean, his home. Yeah. <laughs> it was I mean, his home. Yeah, if, if you can't if tell, you, tell me, were you in the middle with your arms outstretched kind to of, the sky, yeah. just spinning in a circle? Yeah, I, like I said, I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> I, I make no bones about it, but I am a DC fanatic. So, mm-hmm. being at Comic Con, I walked around, saw all the different booths, but the most happy I was was in the DC booth. Absolutely, yes. we share that. You and so, I. me and D, me and Zach <laughs> are hanging out there, just nothing going on, and. Randomly, it happens to be that it's Darwin Cook putting on a presentation about how mm-hmm. to draw, uh, just his style, um, his and he's he's taking it from a blank piece of paper right in mm-hmm. front of you, talking through the whole thing, engaging the audience, talking about why he likes these these parts of art, that and all this, and it was I've seen a lot of different artists uh, speak through. What they're presenting. I've seen some some really good ones, and I've seen I've seen some guys who are better artists than they are communicators. Um, <laughs> right. and that's okay, but Darwin was engaging. Uh, yes, Darwin was a guy who, when he spoke about these things, he was passionate. He he probably got taught at a college then. Just 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 being easily, I, I'd have taken classes of his. Like that would have been dreamy, just to just sit there and listen to him talk about that type of stuff. But. He also, the other thing that struck me was how professional his stuff looked, how quickly it came together. Yes. Oh, yeah, no. He was a master at it. He just, just a couple whipped out lines that start off with, okay, he's just sketching. Oh, wait, no, that's that's the line. That's that's what he's doing. And then it's just immediately it's it's into Batman. Immediately it becomes, you yeah. know, what you're looking at, you know, for and all this. And his, uh, his presentation, yeah, I just... I, I don't know. His his look is so clean, so precise. Yep. I would have, I would have guessed and assumed it took a lot of time and a lot of effort to sit down at the table, and and push it out. But he he was just a master. His he, oh he yeah, knew exactly what he was delivering with it. No, absolutely. I mean, Jim, Jim Lee also did one that we watched, and he was fantastic. Like, that Jim was Lee's amazing. That was amazing. But hearing about his process and him drawing, he got through. I think a hand and a bit of a face. The entire because they were supposed to go up there for I think it was like twenty or thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. And he got through that, but Jim Lee, of course, was talking about everything the the whole history of how he draws things like that. Darwin Cook did a whole figure. In fact, I think he did a couple. He just said, "Okay, I'm done with that." And then, you know, we're like, "Okay." So it was it was pretty amazing. He, he knows, was humorous too. Like it, was, was, it was funny. He was just a, a joker, kind of like like going through the whole stuff. I I remember him making like what he said was a mistake into it, and he just like redrew around it. Yes. And just turn it into something you're like, there's no mistake on that. Yeah, actually, yeah, I think it was like on the arm. Yeah. He messed up on the arm, and then he made it part of the the weathering of a, like, it's a glove or a suit or something. It, like, those lines when you see in a comic book where it says, oh, this is where the rumple is in, in the shirt or right. jacket or whatever you're wearing. He made that mistake into that. And hmm. he's like, yeah, it's pretty terrible. And we're all like, no, it. I would never know. Yeah. <laughs> I would never know. If it's that terrible, can I have it, sir? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's um, your garbage, I'll take it. Yeah, it's fine. horrible. Just let me just. just <laughs> well, and then funny enough, your hands. and then funny enough, uh, <laughs> later on, uh, I don't think Keith was there. I think it was our friend Jason. Later on that night, we were out about town, uh, or one of the nights of Comic Con, and if you go to Comic Con for people who have, you're going to run into people just randomly. One, uh, we saw Thomas Jane. 
that that same year, we saw a couple other artists and writers, mm-hmm. actors, just just walking around. I want to say that was the same year that I ran into you guys at Comic Con. Yeah, and oh, no, I no, was no, freaking out yeah. about Jeff Loeb. It was the same year we were running at Comic Con. Oh, that's right. Because that oh, was yeah, the yes. Walking Dead experience. Yes, yes it was. That's yes, right. That was and and, and was Richie, that the first year they did that. that was was my the second year. Yeah, it was the first, first year, year they did the that. Okay. Yeah, my and first Comic Con. And I'll try and put this just a quick story here. There was a zombie experience. At the we all of us were getting pretty tired, except for Richie. He actually tried. He <laughs> really tried. I the whole thing was in. so did Jason. Uh, J- Jason did too, but but he was gone. Yeah, he was Jason like a gazelle. left us in the beginning. Oh, yeah. He, he was like a gazelle. <laughs> He's like zombies are going to eat you guys. I'm out. Peace. <laughs> but but anyway, but, but I mean the, the short the short story is halfway through we we're all getting tired because it was a what was it, a three k yeah. or something. It was a three k. It was an obstacle course. It was an obstacle course too. And you're and the main gist was if a zombie touches you, you're infected, and at the end they're gonna quarantine you. Oh, well, they forgot. got Richie so I hard. I don't, I'm not gonna like the end and of this so, story. And, and so and so it's one of those things where where they're not supposed to touch you and don't let that happen. Okay. Well, after a while, you get tired. We most of us in the group got tired, and we started high fiving the zombies and going, we, "We don't care." At the and, and 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 we watched it. I will say, I promise you, Richie never got touched. Ever. Totally got touched. I also used my friends as a shield. As at one shields, point. And, oh yeah, but he never got touched. And at the very end, it's good to know where we're all going to stand if there's a zombie right. apocalypse. At the very end, at, at the very end, there's there's people there dressed up like uh, military and, and scientists, going, you know, you guys are okay, you guys are not. So half of us who didn't try were fine. <laughs> and half of us had to go uh, into be you know um, the contain the the containment zone and be taken care of, and Richie was one of them. <laughs> I could I it was so funny. It was so it was so funny. Richie so guy got. I was there. I took the bullet with him. The protest that I was throwing like, at the time. <laughs> here's the thing though, how many people actually got those bullets? Uh, I think it was it was random on the card. So we, what we decided after thinking about it was that your so you barcodes get, you, get you extra, scanned. You get an extra bullet. You it was an extra little sticker stamp. that was a bullet. Yeah. It was a tattoo. I can get you one if you want it. Oh no, I <laughs> gave mine to Sean. Yeah. I got the Sean variant. has it with the yeah. variant of the Walking Dead. Mine too. Yep. It's in the it's in the variant. It wasn't yeah. if we ever talk about San Diego or some crazy stuff, we'll get into that too because uh, I hated that. the obstacle course for more than <laughs> more than one reason. But anyway, so so I'm walking around we're going different out night. Uh, different night. We're going to uh, some bars. We're hanging out. We're seeing different comic book people. I talked to a couple of them, but I'm too shy for a lot of that. But I was outside, just hanging out with Jason, and I bump into somebody, and I turn around, and it's Darwin Cook, and he's outside talking with some other DC creators, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And he goes, "Oh, that's fine, <laughs> whatever." And I was like, "Okay," and that was, and I was like, "That was Darwin Cook." So I, I remember. Uh, bumping into Darwin Cook literally and saying two words awesome. to him. Back, back to the idea of De- of Zach the fanboy, and <laughs> you would watch this guy just walk around. Where did he bump into San Diego? What it was outside of a no home. where on your body? Oh uh, my back, my back. Have you washed that part of your yes, body? Yes, <laughs> okay. yes, yes. I was just it wasn't Jeff Johns. Okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, I'm sure your hand hasn't been washed. That day. It's pretty. I think gross. that lasted about a week from you know. But but Zach Zach going starstruck is is one of the just norms of hanging around all that stuff. And it's it's fun to actually see it from our side of it, not to make fun of him, but to the somebody enjoys the passion of it that much that it's kind of kind of cool to see 
like that. Yeah, because I'm fairly dead inside personally, so <laughs> it's cool to see somebody else. Well, actually I mean, I mean, this is a couple it. years ago, so so a little bit of me too, but but uh, the you've died well, since a little a little bit a little bit, but but it's one Richie, of those things you're where, only hope. Yeah, being, I'm the Tinkerbell of this group. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But but it's one of those things where after many years of meeting creators and hanging out with them and seeing that they are of course on their floor in their hotel room yeah that's another story um (laughs) but seeing that they're human i've had some great experiences with them and going going back to the jeff johns thing jeff johns was the coolest was the greatest thing one of the greatest things that I, I I did and one of the coolest people i've ever meet i met because you know they say don't meet your heroes because it's not going to live up. Well, he exceeded what I wanted and how he treated me, mm-hmm. which was which was cool. I mean, I was jazzed, I was pumped about 150,000% and going, this is going to be great. And everyone's like, okay, but I think he even outdid that. So it is cool meeting the, the creators. And when they're cool and when you have a moment like that where... You know, I can say I spoke two words to Darwin Cook. I mean, so that's pretty cool. And he yeah, never did got live a chance. up, right? Never got a chance to meet him. He lived up to that... that yeah, Jeff Johns did. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, and, and about Darwin. Sorry, no, Darwin, Darwin Cook. Cook. Oh, Darwin yeah. Cook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we didn't get a lot of time to actually like personally engage with Darwin. Yeah, Cook, but but you know, was, we've been in this business. Cool. We've, yeah. we've met enough people that I'm glad it's a very small percentage of prima donnas, and I'm I, better I can than count the fan. On one hand. <laughs> And not even use all my fingers. The amount of creators that I've been disappointed in meeting. I, I think that's about right. I think that's about right. And, I've, and we've met a lot of creators, like hanging out at 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 smaller cons, at larger cons, whatever it is. To yeah. have that, it's that's or really we, good. Well, but, we also get an insight being retailers. We get to go to stuff like Comics Pro, and we get to go to retailer yeah. meetings at some of these cons, and they will always have special guests or people that you know you're not privy to normally meeting. So. Right. It's kind of cool because you can walk up to him and have conversations with him. I had a 30-minute conversation with Jim Lee one time at a Comics Pro meeting. Or not a Comics Pro meeting, but at a... It was a retailer summit. Yeah, retailer summit. Oh, Roadshow, Roadshow. Yeah, it was was, was the DC Roadshow. And I I walked up and I just said, hey, thanks for, you know, your output. And Mm -hmm. I'm from Colorado. And he's like, oh, you're from Colorado? Well, I'd like to talk to you. And he just stood there and talked to me for a half an hour about Denver Comic Con. (laughs) And I was like... Okay. <laughs> I'm having a conversation with Jim Lee for half an hour about Denver Comic-Con. That is always fun, yeah. But it, you get to turn around, and it's actually pretty easy to tell a person's personality now, like now that we've seen the differences. Like, it's pretty oh, yeah. easy to tell the guy who who's there to punch the hours at the booth and to leave. And yep. again, I think that there's, there's a very small amount of the creators that are that way sure. uh, compared to the ones that would engage you in a real conversation in, and have that. And... I think that the, to me, like the bummer is like with the the better conversations we've had, the deeper conversations we've had with creators, um, kind of takes away the fun of just standing in line and getting an autograph for me anymore. Like it's not about that anymore. I no, yeah, that's okay. I I, I would I, I can see that. Yeah. Most creators, I still want to say, hey, appreciate your work. Thanks for yeah, I'm fine thanks with, for doing that. I'm fine with giving them a thank you. Absolutely, but I don't really. I don't really if I if I don't get another comic book um, signed by a creator I'm I'm not really sad. Yeah, so, well, so. I want I want the after hours time. Like, unfortunately, because we've had it, I, that's what I want. When you get invited well, yeah. to go to like no, the I mean, Vertigo parties, yeah, or, yeah, here you go. Here's Bill yeah. Willingham's yeah, party. Let's, let's Would you like to here. go to that? You're like, no, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, no. That's fantastic when that so, happens. Absolutely, Darwin stood out easily as one of those guys that if you had met him at a bar and. You didn't act like the fanboy, cracked crazy, out kind of yeah. crazy 
um, you could sit there and have a, uh, an awesome conversation about anything. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. The better the better conversations I've had with creators don't involve them talking about exactly what they did on their no. work. No. Um, it's life stuff, usually. Well, it's life stuff. It, it's talking about the industry. It's talking about... Talking about industry and talking about history can be some of the best. We we all have an experience Wolf here Portacio. with Wills Portacio. <laughs> that was just amazing to hear about the early days of the image world. Two and a half hours of how image came about with wow. him was kind of amazing. Yeah, it, it I think we asked him awesome. four questions. Right. And yeah, that entire that conversation, many? I think it was four. Wow. But he's that a, guy him, can talk him and, and Dan Dio are the same. Oh, yeah. You ask Dan Dio one question, 45 minutes of your life are gone. gone. Right. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind these things. I think no, these are no, great. It's, it's cool. He's in a fairly, they're both really intelligent men, so. Why wouldn't you want to talk to him? You know, it's 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 tough for a Jim Lee who knows he has a line wrapped around the yes. block, mm-hmm. who has to get through all those people, and he does his best to say a couple words, get a signature on their stuff, and and keep their thing going because not not because he's trying to brush you past, but he's just trying to meet as many people that want to meet yes. him. Right. Well, like um, he's a he's a great example of that where it's well, superstar quality. Oh yeah, and he he has to kind of keep it short to keep the the delivery going. Yeah. Well. So, yeah, and and well, just really quickly, that's kind of my story. Is Jim Lee helped me talk to Jeff Johns longer than most people did, because <laughs> because when you passed out from meeting Jeff Johns, he caught you. Exactly. No. Exactly right. <laughs> no, it, it was it was you the, meet Jeff Johns second. I'm sorry, you meet Jeff Johns first in the line, then you go see Jim Lee. Oh no, you see you see Jim Lee first. Well, so here's the thing: is that there was a oh, that's why it wasn't pushing it's the processional through. line, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a line at the DC booth. It was the first night of the con that Keith and I. And our friends were there, and Jeff Johns was signing, and it was just going to be Jeff Johns. So I said, yep, i got to get in here. So I got in line. I was towards the back of the line. Tons of people with tons of comics. You know, just waiting. I actually didn't... uh, uh, Well, so they announced while I was in the line that Jim Lee was going to sign with him. Well, I didn't bring any Jim Lee stuff because usually the Jim Lee lines are huge, like Keith was saying, and I didn't bring anything. So I felt really embarrassed... I don't know what to do when I get up to him because he's the first person you meet. But somebody at the DC booth was like, "Do you want a free Justice League number one from the New Fifty Two? It's like absolutely. So I took that book. No. I went. I went up to him. I said, "Hey, I love your work. Thank you for everything that you've done." He said a couple of nice, kind words. He signed it, and went about you know let me go to Jeff Johns, the guy behind me. I don't know how he did it so quickly, but probably had about a short box worth of Jim Lee stuff. Ninja. And he said, hey, are you cool signing this whole short box of stuff? And he said, yeah. So I went to Jeff Johns, and I talked to him for probably a good five-plus minutes. I don't know. I was so tired. At and that point, times are relevant. Yeah, yeah. Internal harmony. <laughs> exactly. And so I got to talk to him for a long while, which was great. So, yeah, so that was, that was amazing. So what it sounds like to me is that we're going to have a podcast about con experiences because you guys have a ton of awesome stuff and i want to throw more in but what i'd like to do right now is kind of talk about um what darwin did for you in the comic book industry and what you're going to miss most what about you keith uh he was just that different style i mean you don't it's easy to turn around and and when you look at it you think darwin cook bruce tim you know like a very it's it's a style i i I don't don't, well they've definitely paved their own roads and it's very distinct it is. It is. There's a, so it's a cleanliness to the art. It's not overlined. There's no cross hatching. It's 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 almost like cell rendered kind mm-hmm. of kind of feel to it and all this, mm-hmm. uh, and 
when something like that can come across and yet still conveys the emotions about what's going on, still, you know, keeps you engaged with the story. Every character has a similar, like, body structure-ish because, you know, there's not a lot different there, but every character that they did was completely distinct. You know, I had no problem telling, you know, one character from another, even if it was just black and whites. Uh You know, and that's... Some some artists miss that a little bit. So, for Darwin Cook, um, it was... It's the advanced part of the art and the visual giving that much more to the storytelling. Um, Excellent. Too many times you can just read... You have to just read the word bubbles. You have to read all of that to know what the story is doing, what it's progressing and all this. Um, but when an art, when the artist does emotional right, does um, motion correctly, does all that, that's, that's when it really stands out. And Darwin Cook's, I never... Never had a problem knowing what he was trying to convey, and I always felt like I was inside being carried around inside this universe as opposed to just, you know, looking at still images. Excellent. Yeah, uh, for me, it's kind of the same boat. I was going to say that his um, his illustrations are simplistic, and the comparison of Bruce Tim is fair. I would say that if I had to separate the two, Tim's were always jagged, where I see his is soft. They kind of round out better, and what do you mean jagged or do you mean sharp? Sharp, yeah. That's kind of what I mean. Is like so if I'm looking at Batman, squared up. Yeah, if I'm looking yeah. at Batman and Bruce Tim, I see a square chest. But when I look at, um, when I look at Darwin, I see a more rounded yeah. shoulder, you know, and it kind of comes to more of a humanistic feel and a softer or more appealing one, more welcoming for sure, and. And I think that his artwork is probably the best description of Darwin in general. From everything that I read, um, from what you guys tell me, it seems like he was soft, warm, and welcoming, welcoming, and his art depicts that as well. I see strength in the simplicity in it, and it definitely carries... Like, a lot of his characters smile. And mm-hmm. that doesn't happen a lot in comic books. And in this he, day and age, no. Yeah, and, and I think that's what brings you back to the old... <laughs> old times and the you know happy days if you will and and it works it doesn't look and you know it doesn't take or jar you away from it so i think that that's one of the biggest things he uh he did a book called batman ego uh one of his first and i read that thinking it was a bruce tim and it turned out not to be and uh the story was about him Batman trying to figure out if he was better than Gotham City and if Gotham City was better than him and whose ego would win out in that and it was a brilliant brilliant book for me I got it at a perfect time where the story made sense it was a different take on Batman than I had thought and I didn't really connect him with challenging his own city like that and it mm-hmm. and it took me on a different ride than other comic books have so that's one I would suggest to anyone that hasn't read it Zach what about you? Uh, so you kind of touched upon a little bit there. I'm gonna miss the classic old school vibe that he would bring to some of the things, whether it be cover, whether it be his writing, whether it be his art. Mm-hmm. I enjoy personally a lot of the. I enjoy Silver Age comics and Golden Age comics, and he did too. And he and he brought that to his art you and to tell. his writing. You yeah. definitely you tell. can absolutely tell. And and there's not a lot of people that could bring something with that feel out today but also make it 
relevant to today. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of artists and writers that go that do bring back stuff. Oh, I've loved this character since the beginning, and I'm going to bring back something from the Silver Age. But it didn't. But it doesn't feel like the Silver Age. It's it's an updated version, which you have to do, and it's part of comics is to always update and to change and to make things grow. Capullo did that with Zero Year. You yeah. know, he brought in a lot of old timey elements, but it didn't have the same feel as yeah. like. And and Darwin Cook, but Darwin Cook would do that. Right. Uh, like I said, New Frontier came out in two thousand four, but it felt like something from the sixties. But yet it didn't. So I mean that that balance that he did was what I'm going to miss the most, because it was it was refreshing. It was something different. When when they did covers with him, you you could see it, and it would be, it it would just be a refreshing take. I think that's that's one of the things that I like so much about it was that it wasn't overdone. He didn't do stuff every single month. When it came out, it was an event, and it was a beautiful event. And sadly, we're not going to get that anymore. So that's going to be my big thing. Is that classic, old school feel? I think one of the artists who did it the best at DC and in comics. It's not going to happen anymore, which is very sad. Well, lastly, what about you, homie? To add to everything everybody said, um, for me, probably the pure passion that he conveyed in all of his work. You could feel right. it. You could feel his passion uh, for what he was doing. But also, there's not a lot of artists I can think of that can use... You were talking about simplistic lines. Yeah. So you can use those simplistic lines to create a varied amount of facial expressions. And he did it well. Very well. So there's there's only a number of artists I can think of that it's can actually scary. do that. Yeah, like, it. The, what's crazy, like you guys said, he could finish full figures. And to know that he can do that with the things that I've seen, it's scary. That, that kind of talent is just impressive. Well, and, and he worked at it. You can tell. You can't get that good and to be able to draw that well without having to have spent hours, days, months, however long. Well, that's his passion. Uh, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I felt there was a little dichotomy in the last week, and it was the idea that he doesn't feel like he's got the big enough body of work yet to be gone. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. That was it actually feels, exactly when I were talking about this. That's exactly what we brought up. Well, it feels and like he should have there was more. way more yes. that he it's, was going to deliver. We were just but what he did was so well. It was that big of there's a no knock. There's so. no knock here. It just it just feels no. it just feeds into that. It's too soon. It's absolutely kind of opinion. Uh-huh. And then the dichotomy. Well, dying at fifty three. I'm forty one. Yeah, I'm like. I gotta do some stuff with my life, man. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm and, gonna and, run out of time. <laughs> and, and and it also and it also does break my heart that he didn't do much else. I mean, he did some stuff for Marvel and for different companies, but he did a lot at DC. So a lot of people I talked to this past week who are just Marvel fans, right, they don't they don't know who he is. Yet. Yeah, and I mean, and he that's did Spider-Man and Tangled Web. I yeah, he did one of the Ecstatics. He did yeah. a backup mm-hmm. in there. Uh, he did some covers during that uh, that run, but but again, it's uh, it's it's not it's not a lot that people have seen. This was a but they have, which is, which This is was a superstar that hadn't tried everything yet. Yes, this is where this is where it was and all, and the the thing that that feels like it doesn't make sense because there's not a big enough body of work, but it makes complete sense. Is but is the number of creators who have come out in the what a loss. He was such a huge influence. Mm. He taught me this. He showed me this. Um, 
it's it does it, it makes complete sense that creators would look at his work and and learn from it because it had that quality that style to it that had things to to emulate it had things to to grow off of you have other you have artists out there where you could back tra- back uh, backtrack those schools you know where mm-hmm. today's where artists are you know the the Joe Benitez and the you Tim, know people like that Tim you know, go back to to um, Michael Turner's and Jim Lee's and, and your Silvestri's Silvestri's and things Tom like that. Yep. Yeah. yeah, these things follow backwards really easily and all this. You don't have it really bright and obvious with Darwin because what people used and what people talked about that they learned from him and all this are small and subtle things. Well, there wasn't ready, a straight the influence I could see off of him, and this most this might be because he did work on the spirit was Will Eisner. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, his for his instance. I'm talking about people who have been influenced by him. Oh, yeah, by him. and I gotcha. think that's a great point. Is I think from here what we'll see is a a Darwin Cook style like tributes. You know, I think that you could you can now illustrate in a Darwin style, which is it's in. That's a that's Impressive. a that's a tall mountain. It's a tall mountain. We're, we're talking about we're remember. talking about a lot of elements there that come together. Like again, you so you brought up a backup story in Ecstatics and all this. I mean, somebody like Allred is a natural of the same school. Oh yeah. And now, now Allred's been around just as long, you know, yeah. as as Darwin's been performing and all this. But you know, I would put Allred, Darwin Cook, Bruce Tim all together in mm-hmm. a same category, right? And then. Mm-hmm. You can see this next generation that naturally can feed off of them and to develop and and in and bring that yeah. forward, like like we've had with other ones, like you have where you turn around and you say, you know, Romita JRJR, uh, you know, built off of elements of Kirby, where Otley builds off elements of Kirby, you know, like like things like that, where you can say, where you can see generation, you know, generationally, where it's getting passed. It's going to be a little bit tougher on the Darwin Cook side because it's like you had one of the old masters who all who already had it all down. He yes. had it all right, um, and so well, but doing simplistic, more of a simplistic style like that, doing it well, I actually think is way harder than adding. That's my point. You can't turn around. Harder. You can't just turn around tomorrow and decide you're going to change your style and draw like Darwin Cook, and no. a year from now you'll be producing things no. like Darwin Cook. No. I don't mm-hmm. think it's deliverable. I don't either. And we're going to see the little small elements come through, and you're going to see little bits and pieces. You just don't. I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to say a knockoff because that's not what an artist does when they turn around and right. take the style and all this. But you're just not going to see something that you can directly tie 100 percent back to a Darwin Cook esque look at all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a little bit more of the shame is going to come from. Is like we don't have somebody to fill these shoes. We don't have somebody to produce the next new frontier you know it's it's natural that something like that when it comes up on an anniversary that the dc would try to push a 20th anniversary you know uh a new extension of the story Mm -hmm, something along those lines who would do that like it's not it's not there to get the same delivery you definitely can have some you can definitely get some people together to work on it and to do it in the style of but it's just it's just not going to deliver in the yeah, same way, and that's what's that's what we're missing. It would be yeah. interesting to me to see Kastan Sakai when his wife was sick. Everybody got together and did their own version of Usagi Yojimbo, and they produced it in a hardcover. Mm-hmm. Kind of be interesting to see if artists could do like a Darwin Cook style that would and be produce like yeah. 
you know, single pieces to, to make it yeah. see what their thoughts or like what their idea of a Darwin Cook style would be. It's funny, you, you, you talk about that you didn't do much with, with Marvel. I mean, can you imagine if you had turned around and had him do a Captain America? Yeah, um, story. Yeah, that, that would have be been awesome. awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm, now I'm upset. thinking about it. I can't, <laughs> I can't think of him ever doing Cap. Honestly, I don't no, no, it, no, no. I have this. I have. I would have loved to see right him uh, turn around and do Marvels. Yeah, think about yeah, yeah. think about the dichotomy. Yeah, again, God, I'm using that word too much. Um, think about the difference of of Alex Ross Marvels and Darwin Cook looking Marvels. Same storytelling. Same that yeah. coming of age story of the Marvel Silver Age. That would be there. I mean, technically, same base sweet. design. That was just, yeah. was just so nice. Just, uh, I'd love to see that. Well, I mean, now, we, now we got we wait well, for the next person. Get it. Well, yeah, that's the thing is that legends. When you're when when somebody's that much of a legend, you can never fill their shoes. You can never replace them. They're, you know, there are going to be people like you said. They're going to try. There's going to be people that may get close, yeah. but no one will ever get to that level again. It's. It's a shame, it and is. you know, I, I, the comic world is poor for not having him here. Yep. Um, and I look forward to the people that are going to be influenced by his work and what they're going to bring to us next. Yeah, yeah and really missed. And as a lot of the creators said, a lot of uh, people have been saying, if you want to remember Darwin Cook, if you want to just uh, see what kind of a legend he is, pick up some of his stuff. Pick up an issue, uh, you know. Go into a comic book store. Go into Comixology. It's going to be everywhere. Check out his work. That's going to be the best way to remember the man. And it, yeah, and you will then join the ranks of the saddened. Exactly. <laughs> it's just it's brilliant that way. Well, I so. mean, art is subjective, and it may, may might not be for you, but it is it is a well fleshed out yeah. work that he had did that he had did through his whole life. There's plenty of times where you can say that's not for me, and there's plenty of times where somebody can critique stuff. The one thing is, is you can come back in with Darwin Cook and say that's not for me, but it's very tough to say. Well, it's not good. Yeah, no, I, I don't think anybody. I, can I say personally that. think it's extremely tough to say it's it's not good. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think anybody can come with that. I agree. With so that. you it can might look not at be it. Your style, your right. style is one but, thing, but I think I think all of us will will look at it. Every comic appreciator can look at it and say that's pretty, that that guy was talented. Agree. Yeah, absolutely, he will be missed. Well, with that said, um, I think that we're going to go ahead and close. Uh, next week... It's a big show. It's our big show. Tuesday recording. Yep. It's a really big show. It's, it's a really, be a really big, big show. Big show. <laughs> uh, so we're going we're gonna to get those live reactions. So you, you there, that just hit this play button or about to you turn there. us off. You. <laughs> you. I'm talking to you. Uh, make sure you show up on Tuesday at... What time, Zach? Uh, it's going to be uh, 11 o'clock, uh, 11 p.m. is when we're going to be opening the doors. We have okay. problems. Yeah, we're so, yeah, basically <laughs> we're going to, so basically what we're going to be doing next week is we're going to do a a bit of a regular podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about the rebirth. We're going to do a little bit of a primer for people, for the event, also for you listening out there. Just going to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go out on the floor. Then we straight Chuck Norris, the doors open. Exactly. Then we'll go out on the floor. We will talk to your you. We'll get those. your <laughs> we'll get your reactions. We're going to be talking about the things that you want to see, the things that we want to see, the things that we're all excited about. And again, uh, we want to talk to you about the love of DC Comics. Absolutely, I got tons. Can't wait. It's yeah. an open conversation. We're not. Yeah. We don't have ten questions for you. No, nope. no. We just want to 
we want to let the conversation go and and see what the the word on the street is, right? Right, yep. Zach. Yep, absolutely. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna yeah, sit down with Zach's us. Gumshoe. <laughs> exactly. We're gonna we're gonna you know sit down with us. We're gonna say what are you excited about? What do you like? What do you want to talk about with DC Comics, past or present? We just want to hear from you, and we can talk about our love of DC Comics. Uh, again, that's going to be next Tuesday, so if you're listening to that, we're going to be open from 11 p.m. till 12.30 a.m. that night. Excellent. So make sure you get a nap in, something like that, before you come in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just be jazz like me. It, absolutely. We're going to be doing... Make sure your jazz hands to everybody. We're going to be doing a sale again that night on DC back issues and trades, twenty five percent off. Twenty five percent off. We're going to be awesome. we're going to be talking DC. We're going to have DC music on in here. I have a playlist going on Spotify already. So, <laughs> what happens at midnight? And at midnight, we can sell DC Rebirth, uh, the the new launching point for the new world. It's an eighty page, yes, eighty pages for two ninety nine. Written by Jeff Johns, with art by Phil Jimenez, Ivan Rice, Gary Frank, and uh, Jason Fabic. I mean, there it's you got to get the book. Solid you you got to get the book. It's 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 a must buy yeah. on that. There's also going to be the Marvel and DC books. Some other big DC books are going to be coming out that night. There's going to be Justice League 50, mm-hmm. which Jeff Johns has teased is going to give us the name of the Joker. Ooh. And then there's also going to be is it Superman? 52, I believe. Yes. Yep. Yep. It's going to be for the big transition of Superman. Big transition of Superman. So no spoilers, but it's going to be a big issue. So you may want to check that one out. Right. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be selling DC stuff, talking DC. And Scooby Doo Apocalypse. Don't forget. Oh, um, yeah. Scooby Doo Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Absolutely. We'll be reading that. Uh, I'm going to give it a shot. Absolutely. Yeah, as excited as Jim Lee was, he should be going to every store <laughs> and promoting this book. <laughs> Absolutely. So. It's going to be a fun time. Please, please come out. You can get some of your books early. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. We're going to be talking. It's just going to be, it's just going to be a lot of fun. So please come on out for that. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. Yep. So you heard it here first. We have a comic book sleepover party next week, and I want you here to to enjoy paper cuts for all. Exactly. Let's show up. Let's have fun. And until next time, thanks for listening. Yep, bye. No, I know I'm no Superman. Yeah.